0: From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie Coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome
1: to the Tiny House Podcast. Welcome back once again to another episode of Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry.
2: I'm Michelle.
1: And I'm Mark Grimes. Awesome. And we're all here together today with... Deb and Cole from Tiny House, or Caravan, what the Tiny hell is it house called? Hotel. Tiny House Hotel Caravan, is called, No right? take twos here, people. That's right. We're professionals. <laughs> anyway. So, Deb, Deb and Cole uh, have the distinction of, of having founded a very successful and one and only in the world. World's first. Tiny House Hotel, and so we're really excited to have them both here today, hailing from Portland, Oregon, the same place we are, just a few miles away, actually. Devin Cole, say hi.
3: Hi. Good morning.
1: <laughs> hey there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we told Deb that you know we can't see her, but we really can. So anyway.
2: <laughs> 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 so, How are you guys, guys doing?
0: Are you guys uh, just first question? I'm sure top of your head. Are you guys sold out tonight? Did you guys book it all up last night? Uh, <laughs>
3: oh. We're pretty much a hundred percent booked. Um, with, through uh, almost through October at this point, wow. we have a few random nights where we might have one tiny house open.
0: Wow! So
3: yes, hundred yes, percent tonight.
0: Congratulations! So
2: that's seven days a week.
3: Mhm.
2: That is crazy week, awesome. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic. Congratulations!
2: Thank
3: you. Thanks.
1: So how did how did you guys go come about the idea of starting a tiny house hotel? Tell us that story.
3: Well, um, you know, Karen... Let's see, Caravan is kind of, it, it ended up being a, a combination of both of our interests. Um, Cole has a background and a degree in environmental planning and urban design and a real interest in the environmental impact of small housing. Um, and I have a history of living in super funky alternative um, small spaces. And um, also we just, we both love traveling and uh, meeting people from all over the world, and there was this um, amazing space open on Alberta Street um, that we decided to buy. And um, I don't know, it was just this like exciting idea to be able to showcase tiny houses um, to the public and use this very public forum to do so.
1: Very cool.
2: Were you at all? Were you at all surprised? Um, were you at all surprised by the success? I mean, I, you're you know obviously you're booked out now. Um, it, it probably took you at least a little while to get to that point. Were you surprised by the success? I've seen amazing press.
4: Yeah, um, I I'd say I'm I'm a little bit more surprised than Deb is. Um, it's uh, I think initially we were thinking that there would be a, a a market for what we were offering, even though it was kind of nichey. Um, um, but I think what surprised us is to learn how broad the tiny house, um, enthusiasts or how broad the movement is or how, how much interest or popular the movement is in general. And that, um, you know, that's, that's really expressed itself, um, through the kind of demand for our for lodging at Caravan, but also the tiny house tours that we have, which we do on, um, on selected Sundays, um, have generally had 50 to a hundred people show up just to see the tiny houses. So, um, there's just a, it's been, it's been a, a surprise to see how much demand there is and how disappointed people are when they can't get lodging there. Um, so there's both a very broad, like, a broad, uh, Excuse like numeric, <laughs> numeric interest, as well as like a very fervent
3: interest. So and what, you know, the range of people um, I think has been has been really interesting. From you know, people from their twenties who don't want to take on a mortgage, all the way to a lot of people in their you know seventies, eighties who come to our tours or stay with us um, because you know either they've lost their money and in the you know stock market, or they're just ready to downsize, and, and then everyone in between. So there's just it's just been such a broad appeal to so many people. So we were, I, I think that's been more of the surprise.
1: Yeah. So we were talking before we went on air that uh, it, that the tiny house hotel that you're operating is less of a tiny house hotel and more of a tiny house test center for people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting I mean we definitely I think for us so our you know our, our guests um, it, it's a mix I would say more than not they come to caravans specifically because they have an interest in tiny houses mm-hmm. and they um, maybe when we have our tours you know we always ask the question how many people here think that they want to you know build or live in a tiny house at some point point?" and usually it's like 75% of the people will raise their hand Mm. Wow. And then we say, you know, how many people have actually ever been inside a tiny house? And maybe t- five people will raise their hand. Wow! Or how many people have ever slept in a tiny house, spent a whole night in one? And maybe one person will raise their <laughs> hand because wow. they stayed at Caravan. Right. So, you know, it, it's true. I think a lot of our um, our guests and our reason for being in, in many ways is to serve people that have an interest in and curiosity about tiny houses, but we also just have a lot of people that come to Caravan looking for a cool, funky, unique hotel that represents the city that they're staying in. Right. And we provide that for sure. You know, just just something that's really different and really is very Portland. Yep. Um, and so I think it's it's a mix. But but you're right. It definitely is a place where people come to check it to you know try before you buy kind of thing.
0: So as a sideline to that question. You guys have been doing this long enough. You had to have somebody by this stage, I would think, rent from you guys that really had no idea it was a tiny house hotel when
4: they showed up. Is that accurate? Has at least one person? Yeah, actually, you know, we've had a few people. <laughs> who- few people who have found us on Google Maps by searching for a hotel. Yeah. And and I been I was really proud of that because I set up the Google Maps. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, it
4: works. And, and somebody was just like, I just wanted the hotel. And, and, you know, I'd say, you know, roughly 10% or 20% of the people are just people who are looking for a hotel right. in, in our neighborhood. Yeah. Huh. And they find us. And those people may or may not be aware that it's a, you know, very unique Experience. They were just looking for a hotel. So,
0: can you walk through like the first person that walked in and, and then like saw this, you know, 180 or less square foot place? I mean, what was their reaction once they got there?
3: Mm. Well, I mean, I we, you know, I think we're very, very lucky that we've had a very high, um, rate of satisfied customers you know what i mean most people come to caravan cuz they know it's a tiny house of hotel course, but the, yeah. the random few that haven't in the end i think they're really psyched that they stumbled upon something that is so different and you know it's a very warm and welcoming and colorful and you know funky place so you know i think you'd have to you'd have to be a very particular type of person to not um Enjoy it.
4: <laughs> totally agree. You know? Yeah, I think I think you know our, our focus early on was to be pretty. We, we're we we're really we were really focused on making the 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 guest experience really good, so that you know regardless of whether you're interested in tiny houses or not, it would be a comfortable place yeah. to have a t- hotel. And in fact, maybe better than an average hotel because we have a little kitchenette, we have a common courtyard, we're right in, in between all these great retail establishments that have food twenty four hours a day. Bars, live music, and yet it's in a re- relatively residential area. So it's kind of like even removing the tiny house aspect of it, we were trying to set up a you know a hotel that would be appealing to a pretty broad audience. So um, and and so we I think we 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 that, and then um, and then the tiny house factor on top of that um, has obviously that's a big draw as well. Absolutely. I,
3: and. Can I add one more thing? Yeah,
4: yep. go ahead. So... Yeah, okay, go
1: ahead. <laughs> I'm next. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> um,
3: you, know, you know, Cole and I have, have traveled quite a lot and, and continue to do so. And, you know, now in our late 30s, 40s, um, we're not quite... You know, we don't do the youth hostel thing as much as, you know, we did in our, our 20s. And um, But I think for us, the model of Caravan was to set up a, a place where there was a really... Um, you know, really um, appealing community space in the center. So it's all, our six tiny houses are, are circled around a fire pit and, and a barbecue S'mores. and, we and love swings and, you know, comfy chairs. And, and, and then each guest has their own little house to go to. So, you know, when you're asking about the, the appeal of it or the surprise for people who didn't know, you know, maybe what it was, I think it, it does appeal to a lot of different kinds of travelers because you you can meet other people you can share a common space you can find out you know tips from people about where they what they discovered in portland or beyond and then also retreat to your own private you know comfortable space
2: yeah you definitely you've definitely nailed it in the funk factor um <laughs> I, I i have a friend of mine who uh who has a toddler um who's traveling to portland and um She had the opportunity, of course, to stay at my house for free in my big house. Uh-huh. Um, she could also sleep in my tiny house, albeit it's not done yet. So that there was a little bit of that going on and she still chose to book at caravan. Oh, oh um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, no, no, no. I didn't take it personally at all. No, um, she loved it. She stayed at the co- she skyline, sure? no, no,
3: no.
2: um, she stayed at the skyline, but like I said, I mean, you definitely got the Portland funk, the Portland vibe going on and, um. And she did stay with me for a couple of days, so let me tell you what, I was more than happy to have her and her toddler move <laughs> to the skyline. Glad to
4: have
3: served you, Michelle. Yeah,
4: I, I, Michelle, I like to say that we, you know one of the best uses of caravan is when your parents come to down, they, yeah. stay, they, they, stay, they stay at your house and then you come stay at caravan. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. actually, speaking of that, you know, it's a really nice thing that happens at Caravan is that the guests that come are often, very often, are relatives of Portland folks. And so it becomes a place where, you know, local people, they, instead of going to their relatives' house, they all come to Portland and hang out and sit around, I mean, they come to Caravan and sit around the fire. and nice. right. So we're very amenable to people inviting their friends and families to come hang out at Caravan.
1: So where do your tiny houses come from?
3: Um, they come from local builders, um, different, different local builders. They're all custom made. None of them are, you know, made by a company or manufactured in in that way. They're all totally unique. Um, a lot of them have local, um, you know, uh, materials and, um, and the, the local builders are, you know, have been good friends of ours and are still building tiny houses.
2: So getting them in and out of there has got to be a pretty big chore. I know that there's some, some fun stories out there about moving tiny houses in general. Any fun uh, anecdotal stories about moving them in and out and running into stuff?
3: And-
2: I,
4: I wouldn't say fun is the, is the Yeah, like for those who haven't had the joy of moving a tiny house, it's one of the more stressful experiences because it's this thing that you're so emotionally attached to or you've spent so much money in, and it's like way heavier than the average RV or thing that you would drag behind a car. It's like seven or 8,000 pounds typically for an average tiny house. So it's really frightening um, because it's this really tall, massive, expensive object that you're towing down a highway, and it's really, you know, it's a house, and therefore it's experiencing... Both a hurricane and an earthquake simultaneously going down the highway, and so that's frightening. And then when
3: you try to actually get to the point of backing
4: it into an exact position, you're you're dealing with a twenty-some odd foot long pickup truck plus a twenty foot, twenty-plus foot long, tiny house when you include the trailer tongue. And all of a sudden, you're talking about forty-five to fifty feet of of stuff that you have to navigate backwards into an urban tight. Space into and then make a turn into in most cases a backyard in our case into a really tight angled position within a really tight lot so wow. it's like every step of this experience is but, frightening and stressful. Let me
3: just say being being around cold ninety nine point nine percent of the time is a pleasant experience but on that day <laughs> I like to stay away because it, it is very it's it's, it's nerve wracking it is. It is. Yeah. So you
1: guys have really gotten into the tiny house movement. And I know you're based on your bios, which are included in the show notes, that you had started, it sounds like in, in at least in, in um housing in the ADU mode. What is what how would you describe the difference between for you the the connection, the emotional connection you have with tiny houses versus the emotional connection if there is one with ADUs?
3: Well, well the the oh. Echo. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, we hear you okay, fine. Yeah.
3: Okay, I'm hearing an echo. Um, well, our funny little story that we that we tell is that when Cole and I Cole came to pick me up on our first date, he showed up at my ADU, the garage that I, I turned into a little cabin, and he fell in love with the cabin first, <laughs> <and> then eventually <laughs> eventually with me. But that that really was one of our very first connections with small housing. Um, and I had converted a, a garage into a, an ADU um, years ago, um, and then and that was really a strong interest of Cole's. And then I'll pass it on to Cole because he can tell the ADU story. But yeah, we are very passionate about small housing, and we and we really use caravan as a as a place to a platform to educate um, and do a lot of um, kind of you know educational uh, things around small housing and ADUs but Cole should talk yeah, about
4: that. Yeah, so I guess I, I the, the thing that I, um, I, my background is environmental planning, green building, sustainable planning, design, transportation planning, and a whole bunch of related fields to that. And um, the, there's I, I used to ask this question like 10 years ago, not knowing the answer, which is what is the single most important thing that an individual can do to reduce their climate impact or reduce their energy footprint on the planet? What's the single most important thing? And nobody really had a clear answer to that. And I think what the conclusion I've come to in the last four years is, and this is based on, you know,
3: data, that the single most important thing that you can do
4: is uh, reduce the size of the residential structure in which you live, and live in a highly walkable, bikeable neighborhood. And both, both caravan and tiny houses in general have the potential to do that, as, and, and so do ADUs. And ADUs, almost by virtue of their, their, the regulatory structure that they're fitting in, they have to be small. And, and, they, and they tend to be built in places where there's a high rental demand, which tends to correlate with highly walkable, bikeable neighborhoods. So, um, so just by building an ADU, the likelihood is that it's going to be built in a highly walk- walkable, bikeable zone, and therefore, without the occupant at- intending to do anything or trying to be green, they're necessarily going to be green or have a lower energy footprint or carbon footprint or climate footprint than the average person in the U.S., so, both ADUs and tiny houses share that commonality um, in terms of being a really effective, passive strategy to help an individual
1: reduce their respective carbon footprint. So, no, no disrespect meant to ADUs, coal. Um, but when, when we start talking about ADUs, my eyes kind of gloss over. <laughs> um, but when we, talk about, when we talk about tiny houses, though, I get really energized and I feel like my emotions get stirred. Do you guys have that same experience? I mean, ADUs to me are really like, I mean, I understand the efficiency of them all, but they're kind of ho-hum compared to the excitement and emotional connection that I feel and I think others feel with tiny houses.
4: I, yeah, that's a really interesting point, Perry, and I think you're not alone in that. Um, I mean to start off with, ADUs. What a terrible, boring name. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it's like it's not sexy at all. Um, on top of that, they're it's they don't prepared. they're not photogenic, in the same with tiny houses are. Um, and um, and furthermore, like every city in the country that allows ADUs, which is not very many of them, have different names for it. So um, it's really difficult to kind of galvanize around ADUs because. Everybody who is allowed to build them across the country calls them something else. They may call them granny flats, which is a very non sexy name. In laws suites, non sexy name. Backyard cottages. That's slightly better. But there's about fifty different pseudonyms. So I I, I hear you. Um, nonetheless, um, you know one of the things that ADUs have going for them is at least in in some cities such as Portland. Um, they are not only allowed but promoted by the city of Portland. So it's kind of an easier, low hanging fruit approach to creating this, creating a, a form of housing that addresses these systemic, societal, societal, environmental, and economic issues that tiny houses also help address. And so th- there's, a, there's a, a broader appeal to it in the sense that it's legal to do this. Um, whereas tiny houses, as you all know, aren't, aren't actually legal to live in on residential properties anywhere, as far as I know in the country, um, that we'd love to see that change. And I'm working on changing that along with a lot of other people in varying to varying degrees. But, um, but so, yeah, I agree with you that tiny houses are sexier and that's why caravan gets so much, so much media attention relative to ADUs in general. Um, but, uh, but I think that ADUs, um, uh, by virtue of the fact that they fit into a, a legal regulatory construct, have a lot of potential to um, make a substantial housing impact that tiny houses at this point in time cannot do because they don't have the legal financial um, backing uh, that ADUs currently do. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think the I think the part of the appeal of the tiny houses, um, more specifically tiny houses on wheels, is also, it sort of appeals to the anti-establishmentarianists. And, you know, yeah. ADUs are allowed, and they're almost common, and they're kind of there, and they're zoned, and they're legal, and all of the, I think all of those words are very boring. I agree. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. speaking of zoning and legalities, um, tell us the story about your first encounter with the city of Portland when you decided to do this, and you went to Portland and said, hey, we're going to do this. Did they look at you like you were crazy people? Did they uh, did they throw money at you? How how did that process go? And also, <laughs> similarly, the, um, Alberta. So um, you, you're in this awesome, awesome neighborhood. Speaking of you know, fun, funky, walkable, bikeable neighborhoods. You're in a really, really fun part of the part of the city. So I while I recognize that you probably didn't get a lot of pushback from the neighborhood. What what, what was their reaction? What, what was uh, the, the neighborhood and the and the city's reaction to your idea?
3: Well, I'll start with part two. Um, the, the good thing about the neighborhood is that I own the house next door, so I, I didn't have much pushback. <laughs> um, I, I was very, you know, obviously fine fine with the whole thing. Um, and actually, the, the location that we're, we're in is, is on, it's, we're just, we own the lot that's on Alberta Street, and the Grilled Cheese Grill is the top third of our lot. There are tenants. Um, but they really, um, it's a nice buffer um, with a hope for us having a hotel to, we're not right on Alberta Street. There's a little bit of a buffer. So, right. um, But in terms of neighbors starting there, um, I've owned the house next door to Caravan for 13 years and oh, wow. have the same next door neighbor and, and guy across the street. Um, and they were absolutely fine with it. Um, and then all the other neighbors, uh, I would say almost 100%. Have stopped by and introduced themselves and come to our events. We have a music event every Wednesday night. Um, we have our tours on Sundays um, and been very supportive of having a locally owned, um, you know, unusual, one of a kind, first ever business right on Alberta Street. So we haven't really had any pushback from neighbors. So that's been really positive. That's great. Um, in terms of our interaction with the city, you know, we we liken ourselves to being like little mosquitoes because we we once we started hounding them, we we would not go away until we got what we wanted, <laughs> which was to start the first tiny house hotel. Sounds a lot um, like my children, <laughs> like like children. Yeah, or, or exactly. Um, we we knew that it was going to be a great idea. We also knew there was no precedent for it, and that you know it would cause some raised eyebrows. So when we first went to the city, it, it just, it, it was a long process. It was over a year of, of um, a lot of meetings, um, not just kind of you know sitting down at the, the desk at BDS, but really bringing in a lot of different um, city officials to sit down and meet with us and try to map it out. And I would say that Portland being the innovative kind of you know envelope pushing um, trend starter city that we are and having had the, um, food cart revolution, start here. There was a lot of openness to what we were doing. Um, I would not say we had resistance, but I would definitely say people didn't necessarily know what to do with it because it hadn't been done before. And so we found a lot of just, you know, willing and creative people, but there's, you know, that are still bureaucrats and still needed to find a legal pathway to do it. So it was a long process. But in the end, we were really thrilled. Recently, we had... um, 17 people from BDS come to Caravan on a tour. Um,
4: and BDS is the Planning Zoning Department. Thank okay. you, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they actually spent their afternoon coming to Car- Caravan because they're looking into, you know, what is the interest um, in in legalizing tiny houses in a residential manner. What are they wanted to know what we're seeing because we're really in the kind of this very central part of the whole thing. Um, and, you know, are, are just, I think they're, they're eager to make changes. They just, you know, are, are you know, have to do it in a, a official, bureaucratic, legal way. So, so we have a good the, relationship with them.
2: So who's so the most who's famous the person uh, that stayed with you?
3: It's, well, Fred Armisen had lunch with us the other day. That was nice. nice. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, the whole Portlandia cool. crew um, like came and took over our courtyard for a few hours because they were filming nearby and, and had their lunch. Um, so I think Portlandia was the biggest deal. But in terms of famous, famous, I don't know. I don't
4: know if we've had famous people stay with us. But we have, we've had a lot of well-known, <clears throat> I mean, we've had a lot of media and, and a lot of well-known you know representatives from the Today Show and Nightline. Right. Um,
3: yeah. The London Times came two days ago. Nice.
4: Um,
3: we had, we've had visitors from really interesting, more on the educational side of it, but, like, the Knight Foundation brought 40 people. They were on a citywide tour of sustainable initiatives. Wow. Um, and they came um, and, and spent some time with us. So it's, it's been, I think it's honestly been more policy and media than necessarily, you know, rock stars. Right, But that, right. we're hoping that'll happen.
1: So let's get down to the nitty gritty, Deb and Cole. <laughs> how do you guys handle the poop and the pee?
4: No, oh, poop
3: a great and pee. Question. That's Cole's favorite topic. Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, no, no, you've done it.
4: So De- Deb and I were debating um, before opening Caravan about how to deal with how to deal with that, knowing that most most tiny houses have composting toilets, and I was. Well, I, I, you know, I was like, if we do compost toilets, toilets, Deb, you are on that.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's not going to be doing that. So. And
3: I, my, my quick background, I said, I've lived in some funky alternative spaces. I, I spent three years in the mountains of Colorado before I moved to Portland, um, living in a very funky, very small little cabin in the mountains, um, with no running water and just wood heat. So I was very used to poop and pee, um, you know. No, I was used to not having a flush toilet. I had an outhouse for three years,
4: uh-huh. so
3: I, I didn't think it was a huge. I'm also deal. a
4: frequent pooper as <laughs> it turns out. Right? For that. No, however, um, I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with the idea of of like doing composting for a lot of
1: people.
3: Yeah, it's so
1: like-, like not be. Not be fun.
4: He like, was you know,
3: right. I'll just say that on record.
1: It's like we're all comfortable with our own poop and pee, but when it comes to other people's poop and pee, it's a different matter.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, in well, all the education piece, yeah. you know,
2: training all these people that you know, you would have to literally give a small class yeah. with yeah. everybody
3: that checks
2: in. Shittiest on how class to... ever. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and like we we touched on with the first question you guys asked, our our audience was not, we, you know, we never intended it to be this, like, you know, super funky place for, for you know, people in their 20s earpiece. that <laughs> wanted, you know, a really alternative, funky experience. We wanted to create a really beautiful hotel that, you know, was, it's not high, it's not like a high-end luxury hotel, but it's a really lovely place, and it, it appeals to a lot of people. And my mother-in-law was um, was kind of our, little bit of our guinea pig in terms of throwing questions out to, you know, to say, well, how would you feel about a composting toilet or a bathhouse if we build a separate space? And we realized that the, the smartest thing we could do, and, and again, I'll give Cole credit for pushing this more than myself, but was to create a place that felt really comfortable for everybody. Yeah. And that meant, you know, having flush toilets. And that also pushed us to go through the permitting process in a, in a way that now... You know, we we are the first and only legally.
4: Yeah, we, we spent. You know, we I'd say we spent hours, potentially tens of hours, debating how to how to deal with the bathroom issue. We talked to a lot of people. We went as far as getting bids on building a, a really nice bathhouse that would have, you know, a shower, a sauna, bathroom, kitchen in it, and then each of the tiny houses not having their own bathroom or mm-hmm. kitchen. And we finally came up with the conclusion that you know, um, it was. You know, going to be easier for us to find tiny houses with bathrooms, and even retrofit them if we had to change them from composting to flush toilets. Which
3: we did, yeah. Um, than to try to
4: either educate people about using composting toilets each and every time and clean them out, or force people to walk out at three a.m. in the morning to go pee. Through the rain yeah. into this, you know, central bath bath structure. So, you know, in the end, we definitely made the right choice with that one. Um, and and again, like part of part of the, the you know the, the, that required, permitting, the sewer connections, which which was 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 pretty
1: key to our our whole, our whole operation. So all of your your tiny houses are connected to the public sewer system
3: yes, yes. Yeah. We, we are set up with six hookups and they all have hot running water and flush toilets and electricity and right on any other things
2: practically a luxury in the tiny house in the tiny house on wheels world anyways
3: yeah they're, they're pretty sweet
2: yeah very comfortable. So speaking of nitty gritty, and since Cole already brought up the 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 uh, ter- the oh. uh, subject of sex.
1: Oh, oh. So I,
2: I imagine privacy privacy has got to be an issue. I mean, there are all six different houses, but they're not separated by too much. Do have blinds? Do we have curtains? Do we have? I think you guys have white noise machines
3: too, right? <laughs> You know, Michelle, we've been interviewed by a lot of people and you are the first to ever directly ask us about sex. That's awesome. Woo! Sexy time a
0: tiny
3: house. Michelle. We are a hotel and, and thus we have to assume that there are some people sometimes that might have sex at caravan.
2: Might. Um, okay.
3: And um yeah, you know, honestly, when you go inside our tiny houses, you know, for whatever reason, they're they're they feel very private inside. They all have Um, curtains and, and, you know, dark, uh, what do you call them? Shade out curtains. They have, um, sound machines, um, and radios and, um, you know, yeah, they are on wheels. So, you know. When the, was...
4: when the tiny house is a rock and don't, <laughs> don't go. <laughs> exactly, baby. No, but, but you know, we, we have the we. I I go into. I'm the one who levels the tiny houses when we bring them in. Uh huh. And um and, and so we block them out in all four corners. And I'm always in there jumping on the corners. And I'm like, okay, outside, does it look like the thing is shaking? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm sensitive to this issue. Um,
3: <laughs> and you know, we we do um be, you know each tiny house. Cole and I get to you know, spend the night in before any guests show up. So
1: <laughs> you
4: just meet, meet you
3: the night out. Oh, okay.
1: have, have, you guys, have you guys? Um, no. But
3: also, I don't know if you guys saw the, the Portlandia episode, but the, 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 it ended with the, that funny swaying sex scene where the tiny house is shaking like crazy. Yes. Yeah. So there, there's a, already a spoof on that. Did you have to unblock the house so that I would move that <laughs>
4: Yeah. That one they brought in just for that event, and, they, and it wasn't blocked on the corners, and they just had somebody inside jumping up and down.
1: <laughs> that's funny.
2: Oh, that's very cool. Well, I appreciate I appreciate your humor around that issue for sure. I, you know, I'm just envisioning again. You have this courtyard in the middle, and you have all these people eating s'mores and having you know this lovely post dinner conversation, and you've got this house <laughs> over in the corner that. Just have
3: to come stay with us sometime, Michelle. You're right, I have
2: not. Actually, that's, that's really, really funny. Not only have I not come to stay with you, I haven't
3: even slept in my own.
2: <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, and just, I mean, on that note, we, we, we actually have a lot of honeymooners come stay with us. It's, it oh. seems to be a popular honeymoon destination. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah.
1: So do you, guys have, do you guys know of anybody else in the world trying to do what you guys have successfully done?
3: Funny, you should ask.
1: Well, so, so <laughs>
4: They're we're going to open
3: up another one.
4: No. We are asked um, on a, like I'd say, two or three times a week to uh, um, people want to start up hot- hotels, uh, tiny house hotels, and, and call us or write us an email. And, and we, we do consultations on that now. Um, but, you know, the first step of that process is for we, we tell people we, we'd be happy to do a consultation, but you should contact your city to see whether you can proceed with this or not before wasting your money, um, you know, talking with us about the process that's involved. And out of, I'd say, you know, all but two or three people who've contacted us initially, and that's like hundreds of people at this point, only two or three people have followed up with that second step. Because getting through that first, as you guys well know, get you know entering into this conversation of can I you know live in a tiny house or can I stay in a tiny house legally is such a legal cluster that nobody seems to be able to penetrate that very first regulatory step. Um, so uh, so yeah, there's a lot of interest in it, but very few people have been able to figure out how to do it, except for one. We heard that there's one hotel that's or one tiny house hotel-like thing that's opening up in Lyons, Colorado, called We Casa.
3: It's a tiny house resort. It sounds very cool, and we're, we're um, excited to actually connect with them. But we think we might... We are certainly the first, but we might not be the only anymore, which was bound to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, like Cole mentioned, it. We, we certainly easily could franchise Caravan and, and open these up probably all over the place, but... Our interest, as you can tell, is is much more in using the space that we have, you know, as a platform to really do a lot of other things through. We haven't mentioned the ADU tour yet or the music, but there's a lot of other things we're doing with Caravan, and um, so we support other people opening tiny house hotels and offer consulting, and you know, don't don't have a problem with that. But we, um, you know, for us, it's it's not a, it's not what we want to do right now.
0: That sounds very much you guys probably know Shane Endicott. What? Do you guys know Shane Endicott? Yeah,
3: we know Shane. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's kind of like what he's doing at, what's it called? uh,
3: With Rebuilding Center?
0: Rebuilding Center. Uh, Center. It's like, you know, he'll meet with people from around the world that come and see the Rebuilding Center. He wants to help them as much as he can. Yeah. But he's happy with just doing his one in Portland, and that's what he wants to do.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, repair. Yep. Some of the other details.
0: We're exporting
3: but, Portland. Ten, yeah. <laughs> ten years ago, we would have been, I mean, I know, you know, I think we would have been sight to travel all over the country and, yeah. you know, make it happen, but we're just, just not where we're at right now.
1: Right on.
2: This, yours is really a fabulous story. I mean, I, I, I've I, been to caravans several times, although, like I said, I haven't slept in one yet. Um, I've met you both, both you, you. You have fabulous stories, and and I really, really appreciate you taking the time. This all seems so surreal, doesn't it? Does it? Does it seem surreal from your side as as much as it does from the outside looking in? Um, you know how hard you pushed, and then just to see this phenomenal success, you're literally beating them off at the front door. I think. I mean, does this seem as surreal to you as it does to the to us uh,
3: onlookers? it's that's a cool question. Um, I think kind of like with anything for each of us, you know, when it's it, when when it's your reality, you're just kind of in it, you know, most of the time, and, and once in a while, more in the beginning, you know, I, I could get a little meta about it and get outside of it and look at it um, and think, you know, wow, holy moly, this is this is really happening. This is pretty incredible, um, you know, on a personal level. I'm I'm in my mid forties now, and I I can tell you I my background is working with youth and at-risk youth and I was was a high school teacher when this all happened and I never if you had told me even four years ago three years ago that I'd be running a hotel I just wouldn't have seemed you know yeah it it, it, just in terms of my personal path in life this this having this whole new career and um, new chapter of my life is not what I would have thought would happen. Um, I love it. I'm thrilled with it. And I am very happy that it happened. But in terms of just the success of it and um, the surprise of that, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not without, (laughs) there's been many challenges and, you know, it's, it's been, there's been plenty of bumps that, you know, hopefully aren't, aren't the most visible parts of the business, but it is really, I mean, there, there are a lot of moments where we can just like sit back and just, think, wow, this is, this is pretty awesome. And I think for me, when I'm sitting in the courtyard and, you know, we have every day, really like all day long, people come by and are peering in the gates and, um, you know, we try to be friendly and invite them to our events, but that's when I think I feel it maybe the most, like when, when people come to caravan almost as a tourist attraction Mm -hmm. or they bring their relatives who are visiting just to show it to them. Yeah then it feels a little bit surreal. Like, wow, we've we've created this thing that is, you know, obviously has a big appeal. And, you know, and it's, it's, it just has a lot of meaning for both of us, I think, beyond the hotel part of it. So I don't know if I answered that question, cold.
2: Yeah, you answered it uh, really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, it's a world-class facility for people that haven't seen it or seen it online. You should go to the website, definitely, and check it out.
2: Thank you. Yeah, um, you you would have to uh, been um, living under a rock really to have missed the phenomenal press stories, pictures, events that you two that you two have really uh, put together. Really, really nice. Just so impressed. Just can't even tell you how impressed I am. Yeah. And you guys have been
0: Portland proud, definitely. Yeah,
2: it's really. Yeah. So one last question, uh, one last question. Do uh, each of you, which has been your favorite tiny house? I know as far as you, you rotate them through. Um, last question, does each of you have a favorite, and if and why?
3: Well, I like to... I like to say I'm like a mother I'm who would like never all have my a children. child. <laughs> builders, that's not true. I children. do have a favorite. I, I love them all. I really, honestly, and that's the fun of it is that they're each so different and so un- unique, they, which is why we price them all the same. Um, so we, we don't, you know, charge more for the bigger ones or less for the smaller ones because they each appeal to, to different people. And, and that's what's fun about it. But Skyline for me is just, it's so funky, and everything in it is um, salvaged and recycled. Yeah. And our friend Eric built it, and it's just its just so unusual and funky that that tends to be my favorite. But I do really honestly love each of them. Yeah. Um, not well, not necessarily cleaning each of them, but <laughs> a lot
4: of. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm going to have to concur that Skyline's my favorite too. And you know, I think dev and I both like have a really strong aesthetic. Uh, we share a lot of common aesthetic interests, and Eric is you know a a really good friend of ours, but also an incredibly good builder. And so we we've used him for a lot of projects um, in our in our home as well as at caravan. And and incidentally, he's built he's just built another tiny house called Firebird, which is exceptional. It's very unique, and just I've never seen any other tiny house that's remotely like it. Um, Skyline was pretty unique um, and is pretty unique, but Firebird is really taking it to a whole new level. He has two full stories in there because he uses a catwalk um, to, 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 to walk across the second story. And it's it's a really interesting layout. So, I think it's in large part due to Eric's skills that we both are uh, really like in, lean towards saying Skyline our favorite. Yeah. We
3: um just FYI heads up, we have a new tiny house that is um about to um the uh it's being built by Abel Zimmerman of Oh my Zilf- God.
2: Oh, you're kidding! Oh, we're
3: so psyched!
2: Oh, that is. So- so awesome yeah
3: it's gonna it's gonna be a whole other a whole other you know just he he is he is maybe the most brilliant tiny house builder out there yeah
0: Um, he's a definite craftsman for sure yeah for
1: sure yeah
3: we're so we're thrilled so that we're we're in the process of designing that with him um and that'll be coming hopefully in the fall
1: wow awesome congratulations
3: this fall This fall, yeah. Oh, yeah, the build's... We'll, we'll see. It. We'll see. Yeah, it's been a long process, so we'll see.
2: Congratulations. He's, he's an absolutely amazing builder. I'm also one of his... A huge fan of his architecture. He takes tiny houses to an entirely different architectural and creative level. And I he, don't think the man has ever built anything with a square corner yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's I, just a great guy. It's, yeah. We're really psyched. So, um, yeah. I've to one, him one thing to, to make sure, sure that... I don't know um, the air date, but just to make sure people know that we have this really fun opportunity for the public to come hang out at Caravan every Wednesday night. Um, And the three of you need to come to this. It's called Caravan Campfires. We have local bands playing um, every Wednesday through August. From 7 to 10, we open up and we have, um, you know, bands, including Tony Furtado, the Shook Twins... Love Gigantic. Um, Tonight we have Swan Sovereign, um, the women from Dirty Martini. Oh, nice. uh, We usually have, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 people come. We have a bonfire, all-you-can-eat s'mores. It's BYOB and BYO BBQ, so we spark up the grill, and people can bring food and and grill and... Fun. drink and eat s'mores and listen to
1: music well thanks for that invitation and thanks for that announcement our our listeners would who are in portland of course would love to attend that event and so would we awesome. yep we'll be there
3: yeah okay <laughs> good yeah you should it's really fun
1: well thanks again deb and cole for joining us today on tiny house podcast it was great hearing about caravan and your your personal stories and we really enjoy uh, appreciate your your time today
2: oh, thank you guys thanks
1: so much guys <laughs> Woo! okay see you in the tiny
3: house
0: Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is proudly made in Portland, Oregon.